0: This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Hey, Darius Geis, what are you doing? Are you serious, my guy? Man, if you haven't heard by now, you probably have. Darius Geis was released from the Washington football team. I called him the Washington sitcom. So, he's exited the sitcom. His character is deleted. His character is off the show. Got killed off the show. So, the main reason is because he was arrested for domestic violence incidents stemming from February, March, and April. Three separate incidents, same time of month, which is weird. But... It's a domestic violence thing, but the domestic violence thing is so complex because we don't know what went into that, uh, whose fault it is, who put hands on who. All I know is he got arrested for that, and he is like charged with with um strangulation. I think he is accused of strangulation too. Along with that, it's not, it doesn't look good. And this is the Washington Redskins who is already going through this thing with the people who used to be in that organization who is accused of sexual harassment. So that's not a good look to have someone on your team accused or, or charged with, you know, domestic violence related. Uh, crimes it's ridiculous i when i first heard it i was doing lift out there in virginia i was out in the falls church doing lift i had 106.7 the fan on as usual i guess it was a baseball game on they finally turned off the boring whack post game show and then jr sports brief came on And he started off saying Darius Geist got released. I didn't even know this because I hadn't been paying attention to Twitter, but he got released because of domestic violence incident. And, well, before he said domestic violence, he said he got released. My heart dropped because I was like, what? I actually felt bad. I was like, no, no, they didn't just release him. Why? Was it because of injuries? I thought I assumed immediately it was cuz of injuries. I was like, "Why did they release him? He has such a bright future." And of course, I know how good he is in Madden. Every time in my league someone has if someone has him, they automatically get 1500 2000 yards with this guy cuz he is that talented. <clears throat> I was like, "Man, I actually like this guy." I was like, He's going to be pretty good. And then he got released. I was like, no. Then they said, why he got released? I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. You got He has to go. He's got to go. It's just a shame, man. Like, what, what made it get to this point? I want to know all the details. What made it get to that point? To the fact that he get arrested for domestic violence. What happened? It's just a shame, man. Not only that he keep getting injured, and by the way, I heard he got injured right before he got released. Can't stay healthy. Now, listening to all the commentary on this, especially the local guys, a lot of a lot has been made about him having red flags and how he has a questionable personality. So he had all these red flags coming into the league. Of course I didn't pay it no mind. A lot of people didn't. I heard that the Panthers took him off the board completely. I just didn't see it coming. But I guess people who know him best or know his situation best probably saw it coming a mile away. They knew it was only a matter of time, and they weren't surprised. It's just a shame, man. I just had such high hopes for him. So, but he didn't do much in the league. He only had 42 carries, 245 yards, and two touchdowns. He missed his whole rookie year. Because of a knee injury. then it was ACL. Then next year, he starts. Then he gets hurt again. I think it's a torn meniscus or a sprained knee or something. Then he comes back. He has a killer game against the Panthers. I was like, okay, this is what I'm talking about. If he can keep playing like that, he's going to be amazing. Then he gets hurt again, and he's out for the season. I don't know how long he was going to last in this league anyway if he didn't stay healthy. But now this, now you got a domestic violence thing, the only thing that could save him is that it comes out that none of this was his fault and he got wrongly charged. We're going to find out eventually. But I know this isn't good. This isn't good. But I know that the Washington football team actually got it right this time. They're not being a joke. They actually got their stuff together this time. And they got rid of him, as they should. Now, what I hope is that his mental health, along with the victim, stay intact. Because when it comes to domestic violence, it can really mess up people's mentals it could really mess up people psychologically for all involved, especially with Darius Geis. When you think about the injuries and now he don't have much of a career now, I just pray that his mental health stays intact. And then the victim, who knows if all this stuff is true, all the trauma, all the pain that Darius Geis caused in her life is not good. That could have, that could have, like, prolonged effects throughout the rest of her life. And it might even lead to something dangerous like suicide. I don't want that to happen. I don't want none of that to happen. So we'll just pray for those folks, both people involved, and the facts will come out eventually. The lawyer put out a statement basically saying that Darius guys can't comment on the issue, but he's innocent. He's supposed to say that. And that the Redskins acted too fast. He's supposed to say that, too. It's just crazy. I I never thought I would see anything like that. I never saw that coming. (laughs) I know he got compared to Ray Rice. I don't see it. But uh, as far as a physical standpoint, I don't really see it. But as far as their situations, they're pretty similar. Similar but not exactly the same. At least Ray Rice did something in the league before he did, you know, what he did. And his actions was caught on camera. Not good. Not good. Oh, also, they got Cody Latimer and they got Reuben Foster on the team, but they had their own domestic violence situation. Ron Rivera basically said, they did their due diligence. Diligence with Reuben Foster. Foster with Reuben Foster, and he just been watching them go through the process and really build himself to battle back. So Ron Rivera's like, "Cool, we stay on the team." And Coley Latimer, they said they're gonna review his situation as you know more information comes out. So he's on. I think he's on thin ice, Cody Latimer. But nevertheless, they both on the team. So, it is what it is, man. Washington football team, ladies and gentlemen. Now, this eighth seed race is crazy. So, it was a four-way tie going into yesterday. The Spurs, the Suns, the Blazers, and the Grizzlies. The situation was this. The Grizzlies win, they're in. The 8-9 playing game, I'm in. The Grizzlies win, they're in. The Blazers win, they're in. The Suns needed either the Blazers or the Grizzlies to lose. The Spurs needed two of the three teams to lose. I knew that wasn't going to happen. I knew they were going to be out in order to get in. It would have taken a miracle I knew it wasn't going to happen. And surprise, surprise, Memphis won, Memphis won, Phoenix won, and they won easily. See, I predicted that everyone was going to win, including the Spurs, which meant Memphis versus Portland. What ended up happening is I got three out of the four teams. I didn't realize that the Spurs were going to play uninspired because they were going to be out by the time tip-off happened because – Memphis won and Phoenix won. Oh, Phoenix won easily. I knew they were going to win. I mean, come on. Dallas doesn't play defense, and they was probably resting their starters second half. Easy, easy Vic. The Bucs didn't have Giannis. This whole bubble, without Giannis, Milwaukee has been trash, except when they played the Wizards, because the Wizards... Uh, Worst team in the bubble. But I'll talk about them in a little bit. Man, three out of the four teams won. I kind of knew it was going to be Grizzlies and Blazers, but the way it happened was crazy because it all came down. See, the NBA did a great job with this. They made the last game Blazers and Nets and made sure all the other three teams played first. They had to make sure the Grizzlies or the Blazers had that last game for a little bit of drama. And they picked the right last game because that Blazers and Nets games was back and forth, back and forth. Both teams had, like, 10-point leads. When the Nets had a 10-point lead, I was like, oh, my God. Man, the Suns, I know Suns fans was real happy because the Suns, the Spurs were eliminated. So they needed the Blazers to lose. The Grizzlies already won. They needed the Blazers to lose. And sure enough, man, like, it was back and forth and somehow – some way, um the Blazers grabbed the lead late in the game. They were down four. A key play in this game, a key play in this game, is when Damian Lillard pulled up for three, and they called a foul on Luau Cabrera, who had a very good game. They had a they called a foul on him. What? Did you Do you see that play? He barely touched them. Now, I can see if Damian Lillard couldn't come down and land where he took off. No, like, he was barely touched. And it was called a foul. What? How do they train these refs? Because I need to know. These are supposed to be t- the best refs in the world. How do you call that in a game like that? Sure enough, man, they got the free throws. I think they cut it to two or cut it to one. And then from there, uh the Blazers went on a small run. They took the lead. They went up four. They went up four. I think they had a chance to for a dagger. Like Melo hit a clutch three, then he missed a clutch three. Like, the the role players were inconsistent in this game. Damian Lillard had 41. And after he hit that logo shot from half court, they started trapping him as soon as he got the ball. Like, I haven't seen this since Trey Young in high school. They started trapping him as soon as he got past half court. He started getting that treatment. And yet he was still, he, Damian Lillard made a three with two people on him. He was getting trapped. He still went up and shot a three. So when he tried to do a similar thing with Cabrero on him, and it was a, oh, my God, it was a horrible call. That was a key play. Another key play was um, the Blazers hadn't played defense all game. They don't rebound on defense. They don't stop anybody. This has been every Brazers game the past week or two. But Damian Lillard made the defensive play. Oh, by the way, there were plenty of plays where the Nets had, like, an easy transition bucket and they'll turn the ball over or they'll fumble the ball and then get it back and have to get into half-court offense. Like, it was a bunch of nonsense like that. Like, they had a bunch of plays like that. And the biggest one where I think the Nets got a steal or they got a rebound and Carousel LeVert, who had a very good game, 37 points. He was dribbling, and Dane poked him from behind, and he stole the ball and dove on the ball. Are you serious? And then they scored right after that. Sure. Mello missed the three at the end, and C.J. McCollum missed the free throw. Uh, another one was uh, when the Nets were down four with like thirty seconds to go. Karis LeVert got an and one and cut it to one. Then I think the Blazers made another bucket. C.J. McCollum. Then this is now this is what really confusing me right here. I'm sure you know where I'm going. How Karis LeVert? No, they had a timeout, but. 20 seconds to go, 15 seconds to go. He's dribbling, he's dribbling. I'm like, "Okay, what are they going to do?" Well, I thought they were going to call time out. When it was clear they weren't going to call time out, I was just sitting there waiting like, "What is this man going to do?" He's just doing and I was like, "Tick, tick, tick. Tick, tick, tick. Tick." Tick. 10, 9, nine, eight, seven. This man has a crossover. I I, kind of saw him hand fighting with CJ, so he's trying to get position so he could go to the rim. I still think he should have went to the rim. He stepped back like every freaking NBA player does, all these step-back jumpers. Step-back brick. I thought, honestly, I kind of thought it was going in, but then it didn't. And I looked at the clock. I was like, oh, crap, the game's over. I was like, wow, that was crazy. That was a crazy game. That was, I'm glad I sat myself in the house and watched that game. I am so glad because that was so much fun. And that's why you love sports, games like that. You got to give it up for Damian Lillard, the clear bubble MVP. Literally, if he doesn't score all them points, 50 points a game the last three games. If he doesn't score all them points, the Blazers are leaving the bubble today. They're leaving the bubble because they're not that good, bro. Well, they're good enough. They're good enough. But they almost lost to the Sixers, who didn't have Embiid. They almost lost to the Mavericks, who don't play defense. And they almost lost to the Nets, who don't have half their team. Even though Karis LeVert is a beast. But come on. Come on now. Got smoked. They was getting smoked. They was really struggling with this team. Now, I know the Nets are a feisty team, but damn, bro. The sense of urgency. You had to beat them. The Nets didn't have anything to play for. You needed to win to get in, and you're struggling. 60 points versus Philly, 50 versus the Mavericks. I might have had that flipped, but no, 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 no. He scored 60 against Philly. And then 41 against the Nets. He needed all of them points. They won each one of them games by one, two, three points. Three or less. They won all those games by three or less points. Are you serious? But it, it got the whole country on Dame time. Just tap your wrist because it's it's Dame time. It's Dame time. And that is why everyone wants to see them against the Lakers. If not them, then the Suns. I'm fortunate that the Suns went 8-0 and and didn't make the play in game but i'm here to tell you right now their last loss was against the blazers they lost by double digits to the blazers on march 10th if they win that game they are in the play in game but they lost they lost so they go 8 0 for nothing i know y'all feel sorry for them i wanted to see them too but you got to win games like that like you got to you you got to win games like that you lost to the Blazers on March 10th, and also you're one in three against the Grizzlies this year. That doesn't help either. That doesn't help either. You win one of those games. You win one of the. You win one more of those five games. You're in. But instead, you didn't and you ran out of time. It's like making a buzzer beater. It's not even buzzer beater. It's like making a shot when the light went off. Shot clock light went off, the buzzer went off. You made the shot, but you released it too late. That's pretty much the Suns missing the playing game. It is what it is. I feel bad, but not that bad. Like you should have took care of business before you got in the bubble. And the only reason you're in this position because the Grizzlies were so bad. I'm just saying. I am just saying. Speaking of the Blazers. Oh, before I get to the Blazers, the Wizards. The Wizards finally won a game in, a, in the bubble. They finally won a game in the bubble. They beat the Celtics by six. But the Celtics sat Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, uh, Damn near everybody. <laughs> but it's okay because the Wizards won. They played everybody except Moore. It doesn't matter because he's not carrying the load anyway. The guy who was really doing the damage, the whole bubble, is freaking Thomas Bryant and Jerome Robinson. And Ish Smith is consistent doing his usual thing. But Moore is very up and down. So, yeah, we didn't need him. He, he's done enough. So, through all that losing, they didn't win a single scrimmage. They didn't win a single bubble game until they played the Celtics, who rested half-day team. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. I like moral victories. Why not? I'll take it. It gives you something to smile about. Now, hopefully we correctly developed our young players and like they said on the Wizards telecast, we get another piece, we get a good draft pick, we get John Wall and Bradley Beal back, re-sign Bertans, we're back in the playoffs. And not only are we back in the playoffs, we might be in contention for the Eastern Conference Championship. Now, I don't know if we can beat the Bucks, but everybody else, they're totally beatable. Toronto can't keep this up. I don't think so. Not without... A superstar. Not without a DeRozan or a Leonard. They're not going to keep this up. So the Wizards can get them. Next year with Wall and Bill? Oh, boy. Y'all not ready. Y'all not ready. Back to the Blazers. The Blazers will lose to the Lakers in six at the most. I really want to say five because everyone's saying there's no way the Lakers will stop Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. They might not. And the Lakers' offense is shaky. And they, in the bubble, pretty much a 500 team in the bubble. They are. They were 4-4 four four in the bubble, 500, whatever. It don't matter. It don't matter LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James and Anthony Davis. What? James and Davis, it's a law firm. Look it up. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying it's over. King James, boy. And then they got all these shooters. Okay, the offense is up and down, and that might give the Blazers a game or two. And if the Lakers are really slipping... It'll get him three games and it'll go seven and King James is gonna turn up and the Blazers will go home. Seven at okay, maybe seven at the absolute most, but most likely Lakers over Blazers in six. Too much LeBron, too much A D. This will be the best defensive team they've played in two weeks. (laughs) I'm serious. This is the gonna be the best defensive team they've played in two weeks. Put Danny Green on Damian Lillard and rock like that. Kuzma will be fine. He can handle Gary Trent Jr. I'm just saying. But the Lakers will be alright. I don't I don't see why y'all worry about them. I don't know why y'all. Starting all this drama, saying that the Blazers are going to beat the Lakers, I can't see it. I don't see it. Now, in other news, Harden moved up in scoring. He moved up on the all-time scoring list. He moved ahead of, so he moved ahead of Paul Pierce, or was that no? Melo moved ahead of Paul Pierce. Basically, bro, James Harden is moving up the record books as far as scoring is concerned. And Westbrook himself, like, he's already second all-time in triple-doubles, and he's in his prime. What? James Harden is now 43rd in scoring all-time. He's less than 1,000 points away from Larry Bird. He's less than 1,000 points away from Larry Bird. It's funny because Undisputed, they... I had this uh, discussion about LeBron is like the only player in NBA history or like the second player in NBA history to score at least 1,500 points in 17 straight seasons. So I'm pretty sure Harden scores more than LeBron in a given year. So that means he'll easily catch Larry Bird by the end of this calendar year or early next year so he'll catch Larry Bird and he'll keep moving up and eventually he'll start catching more people Um, eventually he'll catch mellow he'll catch uh, all of them guys I think he'll be top 10 I truly believe by the time it's all said and done Harden will be top 10 and you know what's funny about this westbrook is right behind him westbrook is right behind him in points now westbrook came in the league around the same time but a little bit earlier he's right behind james harden will westbrook catch james harden i don't think so how far will he get i think he'll be in the top 20 especially in this nba oh man especially in today's nba man come on harden is going to be top 10 and Westbrook will be top 20 when it's all said and done. And they will clearly be Hall of Famers, especially Russell Westbrook, who has a chance to catch Oscar Robertson's, which is absurd, his, like, triple-double number. I think he got 181 all-time uh, Oscar Robertson. <laughs> it's insane. That's insane. Like, he has... Westbrook by a lot of triple double. And I mean a lot. See, I'm about to I'm about to look it up now. Like it's it's unbelievable. You know, it's it's unbelievable. Triple doubles career. Oscar Robertson, 181. Westbrook, 146. That's insane. That's how great he was. Before his time. Before the modern NBA. Oscar Robertson was far and away the only person with this many, like, triple-doubles. It's crazy. Now, points. Here we go. Here we go. So, okay, mellow. Mellow passed Paul Pierce. Yep. He's going to catch Tim Duncan soon. I think he'll finish about top 15 for sure. Then you got James Harden. Huh. Kevin Durant's ahead of him. Uh, he'll probably – he won't catch Kevin Durant, but they'll both move up together. James Harden passed Powell Gasol. He's 42nd now. Powell Gasol doesn't really play that much. I think he's on the Raptors, and he's on injured reserve. Like, Come on, he's he's pretty much done. So he passed David Robinson, Bob Pettit, Powell Gasol. Now he's gonna pass Walt Bellamy and Hal Greer. And then he's gonna pass Larry Bird, which is a big one. Which, you know, Larry Bird, Gary Payton, Clyde Drexler are so close together. He's probably gonna catch them guys in one season. So then it's just gonna be him and Kevin Durant kinda of right there together. They're gonna to be they're both gonna to be top ten probably when it's all said and done. I'm just saying. And James Harden has 20,935 points. Kevin Durant, 22,940. Russell Westbrook, 20,412. Wow. And LaMarcus Aldridge, number 53, with 19,599. He'll probably be top 40. Maybe top 30 it's all said and done. Probably top 40. That's impressive. That's very impressive. I'm just saying. That's cool. I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. Now, the Caps. The Caps lost. The Caps lost game one. Game two is tonight. I was watching game one. TJ Oshie. Two goals. I was like, yeah, we got him. You can't lose the Barry Trotz. We got this. I kind of like, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, we got this in the bag. I turn around, look up, it's 2-1. I think I went to shower and do yoga. I come back, it's 3-2. What the hell? Then I sit there. I think it was an odd man rush. 4-2. I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm turning this off. Boom. Turned it off. Done. It's ridiculous. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. They're losing to Islanders. And I was like, here we go again. The Islanders... We split with them in a regular season, and they they don't have our number, but they do give us trouble. I just hope that the Caps get it together and definitely get that offense together because it, it just didn't look like they were even close to denting that lead. I don't even think they were close to denting that lead after they went down 4-2. It's crazy. It's crazy. But, hey, hope they get it together. No more choking. Can't go down 2-0. Can't go down 2-0. Can't lose the Barry Trots. I'll, I'll most likely watch, but we'll see. So the Nats, the Nationals, okay, before I get to the Nationals, the Mystics, what are they doing? They have lost six straight. They lost six straight. The Chicago game, cool. Close game, Chicago's a solid team. Okay fine then they lose to the aces i was like okay we beat we beat them last year they kind of probably carried a vendetta they got bill lambert as their coach they got asia wilson i could see that then they lose to the liberty i was like huh i didn't know they had kia nurse back but still they got they don't have their two best young players how the hell we lose to the liberty clearly the better team all right cool then we lose to the fever i was like come on man come on we just destroyed the fever but i kind of understand i mean we couldn't stop kelsey mitchell in either game she killed us in both games except this time the shots weren't false and news to me we didn't have ariel powers who is quickly becoming a favorite of mine i like her even though she got in a little dispute with Andre Iguodala. I hate how she was treated in that whole situation, but it's unfortunate. But what can you do? What can you do? All I'm going to do is continue to support her. She's a hell of a player, and I hope she gets well soon. But her presence is definitely missed. We already struggled to score enough points. And I haven't even gotten to the best part. They lose a fifth game in a row where they only score four points in the fourth quarter. What professional team only scores four points in a quarter? This ain't even 2K. This isn't even 2K. And they only score four points in a quarter. You're a professional basketball team, right? That's ridiculous. I I know we're missing Ariel. I know we're missing... Della Don and Tina Charles, Tasha Cloud. But we still have more than enough to get us through. Especially Miss maisha Hines Allen, who's basically just came back down to Earth. Boom. Lose to them by twenty. Okay, the Lynx are a good team, but still that's that's ridiculous. They got spanked. And then they just got they got spanked again by the Sparks. That's six in a row. And I'm looking at their schedule. They got to play the Sparks again. They got to play the Lynx again. They got to play the Aces again. (sighs) Man, oh, man. They got to play the Storm again. If they don't get it together, they will not make the playoffs. And if they don't, I'll be disappointed. But we're missing all these people. I still want them to get it together because I'm rooting for them, and I want them to do well. Like, this is crazy, bro. Like, y'all are getting y'all tails whooped on TV. Like, I don't know what y'all are doing. Like, just, just get it together, please. <laughs> like, please. I'm, I'm really rooting for y'all. Seriously. Anyway, here we go. The Nats. The Nats in this Mets series. I really do not like the Mets. I can't stand them. I've disliked them since 2015 when they went on that World Series run and Mets fans became unbearable. They were unbearable. I ca- I haven't been able to stand them ever since. But the Nationals have been pretty much the better team ever since that season. And we got a World Series. They don't. So I, I can't stand them, man. So anytime the, the Nats play them, I get hyped. So they destroyed the Mets the first game, and this is just another destruction of the Mets. Hey man, we beat them twenty-five to four. We beat them twenty-three to two. All that. It's just another destruction. Beat them sixteen to four. I was laughing and joking and a key keying. I was loving it. Next game, Shurs Day. Shurs Day against the Mets is literally like a freaking Philly steak and cheese on my plate. From Max's. Like, you just get hype. You just look forward to that. Your mouth waters. Pause. Pause. Your mouth waters. You just ready to go. You just excited. Like a good-ass uh, steak dinner, bruh. Or a steak and cheese. <laughs> anyway. uh Max Scherzer went off. He did good. Well, he didn't win off, but... He- He did what he normally does. He got a bunch of strikeouts and one earned run. I think the Nats went up 2-0. They had that, the Mets had that run, and that was it, man. Uh, The Nats won that game 2-1, and I was like, please. I thought it was a three-game series. I was like, please sweep them, please. Nope. The next game, lost 11-6. The Nats, the Mets went crazy, especially it was one inning where they score like seven runs. I mean, come on. What are we doing here? Pete Alonso home run. Of course. Can't I st- cannot stand Pete Alonso. He's so good, man. He's so good, but I can't stand him, bro. You on the wrong team. I wanna like that kid, but god damn it, man. Anyway, but they won that game. I was like, cool. I heard there was a fourth game. Cool, all right. all right, let's still win this series. Sure enough, I turn on the radio, we already losing. We already losing. Next thing you know, home run. And then, th- here's the kicker, though. I got to Virginia Highlands. I was in the parking lot. Charlie Slows announced, and it's like going, going back over the wall, Grand Slam. Grand Slam. I was like, oh, no. Please don't tell me the Mets hit a grand slam, and they did. Tomas Nito, second home run of that game. The second one was a grand slam, and he got these runs. Okay, so he got one run, he got one home run off of Volf, who's like our fifth starter. And Seth Romero came in relief. He's a rookie. He's a rookie from Houston. Got some red flags like like Darius guys, but at least he and Darius got just like Darius guys red flags and injuries, but it seemed like he was on a more positive path. He was on an up and up. Now he finally grinded and worked his way after being hurt for two years. He grinded and now he's in the big leagues. He finally gets his chance. He strikes four people out. Then he lows the bases. And a grand slam goodbye, and get out. I love his story. I love all the adversity that he went. I love that he went through all that adversity and overcame it. But you gave up a grand slam, bro, and against our rivals. What are you doing? Heated. I'm heated. That that just that's just inexcusable in any game, and especially against the Mets. Why? Yeah, okay. Just just go back to the drawing board. I'm happy for you. You finally made it. Your dreams is finally realized. Now get to work. Because that's ridiculous. And the next time you called on, do better. Do better, please. I like the strikeouts. Now Davy Martinez put him in the game because he's a lefty that gets strikeouts. And that's exactly what he did. The only problem is he gave up that grand slam. We'll probably see him again because he's on the taxi squad and people get hurt. Strasburg been hurt, Scherzer's been hurt, um, Doolittle's hurt. So he's gonna he's gonna get some action again, and I hope he just does better the next time. But at least the shining star in this, like the the best thing about this, is Juan Soto. Has five home runs this year already. He started his season about a week ago. His five home runs already, and four of them are against the Mets. I love it, and the Mets fans are sick of this guy. Yeah, that's how I feel about Pete Alonso. (laughs) They are sick of this guy, and Juan Soto is killing him, and I love it. Destroy that team, boy. Keep killing them. Now, the hypothetical game of the episode. The hypothetical game of the episode is between the 2006 Boise State Broncos and the 2006 Oklahoma Sooners. Now, this is a rematch of the Fiesta Bowl in 2007, which the Boise State won because of a two-point conversion um, Statue of Liberty play which as a kid, when I watched it back then, I was a teenager, I loved it, it was amazing, it was inspiring. When I became a Sooner fan, every time I watch that, I cringe and I get mad because I want Oklahoma to avenge that, I want them to avenge that and pummel the next Boise State team they see. Nevertheless, it happened, it's a part of history No matter how you slice it, and Ian Johnson proposed to his girl after the game. I think he ran into the game-winning touchdown. It was cool. It was a great story. I mean, even though I'm a Sooner fan and it makes me mad, it was a great story. It was just, just something you'll never forget. But I was like, what would happen in a rematch? But to take the bias out of this, I put this in on whatifsports.com. And the results, the results really kind of disappointed me. So here we go. Ian Johnson, 27-yard touchdown to start off the game. Then Alan Patrick scores from six yards after the the Sooners drive down, and they dink and dunk, and Adrian Peterson gets some yards here and there. And then Alan Patrick punches it in, touchdown, 7-7. Ian Johnson, this is where Ian Johnson takes over. It takes over, first play, first play. After the kickoff, after they get stopped short of the 20, Ian Johnson bursts through the middle, runs past the safety, touchdown. 84 yards, four touchdown, 14-7, Boise State. Garrett Hartley kicks a field goal, 14-10. 14-10, Boise State. And then Ian Johnson again. 78 yards. Stretch play. Burn the safety again. Four touchdown. 21 10, Boise State. So then they exchange field goals. 24 13, Boise State. Then Gerard Rapp catches a dig route. Middle of the field. Middle of the field, shakes the safety, uh, stiff arms linebacker, speeds past the corner, scores. 40-yard touchdown, 31-13. It's not looking good for my Sooners. So two OU, OU field goals. Garrett Hartley is the MVP of the game. I don't care. He is killing it. There's a reason why he want a ring with the Saints. They got two field goals. Boise State got one field goal. So now it is 19. It is 19 to 34. So it looked like OU still has a chance to come back. And this game is being played at Boise State, which probably didn't help me in the the simulation of this game. But nevertheless, it is what it is. We're going with it. So now when it looked like OU had a chance, Boise State blows it open. Two touchdown runs, another one from Ian Johnson, who is having a monster game. I don't know how they can stop this guy. It seemed like Boise State was more prepared than OU. 48-19, Boise State. Unbelievable. Malcolm Kelly, the freestyle legend, the locker room freestyle legend, scores to make it 48-26. But Boise State kicks another field goal, 51-26, Boise State. So this is a mini tournament, right? Before I get to that, Adrian Peterson, 25 carries, 122 yards, no touchdown. Uh, Ian Johnson, 30 carries, 298 yards, four touchdowns. He only had 101 in the Fiesta Bowl, and you saw how close that game was. Paul Thompson and Jared Sabransky both threw for 228 yards, except Jared Sabransky was 15 for 16 and had two touchdowns. Paul Thompson was one touchdown, one interception. Boise State rushed for 389 yards in this hypothetical game of the episode. That's unbelievable. But this is part of a mini tournament, though. So, next week, the hypothetical game of the episode is 06 Ohio State in 2012 Notre Dame. Ohio State is the home team. So, yeah. Troy Smith versus uh, Manti Teo. (laughs) It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great game. I, I can't wait. Oh, and the funny thing about this hypothetical game of the episode is... I did it two more times. I did the simulation two more times. The second time, I did Boise State OU, but I made it 90-degree weather in Norman, Oklahoma, and OU blew them out. They whooped them big time. 31-3. If that was to happen in real life, us Sooner fans would go ballistic. We would, man, we'd be a-dancing and a-singing and all that, man. If they was to come to Gaylord Family Memorial Stadium and lose 31-3, to that Boise State team, oh, my God, we would have let them have it. We, you would have never heard the end of it. But that didn't count because it wasn't part of the original thing. It wasn't part of the original hypothetical gaming episode. So, of course, I was tempted to break the tie and put these two in a neutral field Boise State is a home team, and sure enough, it was a closer game, which I expected, and Boise State won 31-19. So they won two out of three, so I guess everything checks out. It's just a shame how much home-field advantage mattered for them two teams. <laughs> That's crazy, though. But Boise State had home-field advantage in this hypothetical game of the episode, So, we'll see what they do at Ohio State and at Notre Dame. It's going to be tough for them, I'm sure. Anyway, before I leave, I had an interview. I interviewed Mr. Um, Andy McClure from Colorado. He's a PA announcer. He's been PA announcing for 30 years. All type of different levels, high school, college, pro, semi-pro. It, it was a real good interview. It, it start. It was a little awkward at times because, you know, I I talk at the wrong times and I stutter and I lose my train of thought, and he'd go on for longer than I expected. It was it was weird at times, but I'm glad it happened. You know, Andy's a real nice guy. I'm glad he came on the show with me, and I'm glad he interviewed me and I was the first I'm glad I interviewed him <laughs> glad I interviewed him he's a nice guy and he's something you should aspire to be uh he works in sports he got a nice family he got three daughters all around my age by the way <laughs> uh <laughs> but um yeah man he's a nice guy he's he's pretty funny too man he he has some nice jokes in there he got collegiate crossings collegiate crossings is a nonprofit he started to bridge the gap between uh, college athletes and prospective college athletes and schools, institutions. So it's a real dope interview. So if you listen to it, um, if you're listening to this episode, you can check that interview out. I'll be posting it very soon, probably by the end of tonight. I'll probably post it. So just stay tuned. It was a dope interview, and hopefully I'll get to do more interviews. I hope to do one, another one soon, probably next week. So I, I can't wait. But until then, hey, I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.